everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today, I've got a good friend on the show with me. Actor, writer, producer Kirk Cameron is here. You guys heard me talking about what's going on with his new book on the show last week. And he's coming on the show today to talk about what it's taking to get a decent book into a story time in our public library. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys, so thanks for tuning in today. Before we jump into this, I want to remind you that we're in the middle of an awesome Bible study on peace, and you can find that at Mom Strong International. We're loving hearing from you here at the Heidi St. John Podcast and also at Firmly Planted Family. And keep writing in, you guys. It's great to hear your stories. I love to hear what God's doing in your life. I think that there is an amazing awakening happening in God's people, and that's why I love this story so much. I told you guys last week that Kirk Cameron pitched his book to over 50 libraries in the United States, and guess what? He got denied. They they said, nope, sorry, you can't bring your book here. We don't want you to read that to our kids, or they just responded by not responding, which is typically how they do it, and yet these guys are the same people that are hosting drag queen story hours, which are horrible for kids all over the United States. I've invited Kirk to come on the show and talk about it. And he's been kind enough to give me some of his time today. Hey, my friend, Kirk, welcome to the show. Hey, Heidi. Great. Great to see you. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So let's jump into this because it's fascinating to me that the public libraries, which are funded by our tax dollars, and right. they're pushing drag queen and uh, drag queens and gender ideology to children won't allow a book that's wholesome and faith-based and going to encourage kids to uh, be all that God's created to be. You tried to read this in the public library and what happened? That's exactly right. So this is a a great little book uh, of virtues, so to speak, that teaches biblical wisdom to kids through the seasons of life uh, and the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And you you'd think, Everyone would want that for their children and their community, but I was uh, denied by over 50 woke libraries who, as you said, have also hosted drag queen story hours. Some of them uh, responded by saying no to biblical values, but yes to a gender name change clinic the following day. And others that said, uh, we don't uh, think that your messaging aligns with ours. We are a queer friendly library and you can try to reserve the space, but we will not read your book. So this has been really great because what happens here is you see what's actually going on. Tolerance is not really the goal as much as a cloak for totalitarian control. Yeah. Uh, coexistence of ideas is really a cloak for conquest of one set of ideas that wants to extinguish the others. And uh, I'm hoping that the family of faith is paying attention, waking up so that we can finally be aware and then engaged. And that's what I'm trying to do, uh, as well as as get great values to kids in these communities where these values are being snuffed out. I want to bring to the attention of concerned moms and dads and grandparents that unless we want the hearts and minds of our children more than anyone else, we will lose them to uh, a culture that is being formed by those who are actually doing the things that we as the family of faith are supposed to be doing, like training them up in the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Like applying the word of God to civil government, as well as your own personal life at home. Uh, The gospel is comprehensive in its effect. If it is applied thoroughly 
to all spheres of life. And um, unfortunately, uh, we have a lot of Christians who are just sort of hanging their head, putting their tail between their legs, uh, crying in their Chick-fil-A soup, waiting for the rapture so they can just get out of here rather than investing in their children's future for generations by doing the things like you suggest and what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that the church has been, you know, you and I were talking about this last time I saw you, the church has been largely asleep, right, for many, many years now. And instead of engaging the culture, we've run from it or we've insulated ourselves in the four walls of the church. And what you're doing is you're getting out there and you're saying, hey, we belong in the culture. We belong in the libraries. We belong in education. We belong in entertainment. And when we cede those uh, those spheres of influence over, then the enemy gets a foothold. And that's what we're seeing in the culture right now is that the yeah. adversary has a foothold. Where do you go from here? So this has gotten a lot of traction. You've been on Fox News. Uh, looks like uh, Tucker Carlson picked it up. People are really interested What's the kind of feedback you're getting from the media? Well, it, it's been very exciting to see moms and dads and grandparents and even librarians getting into this. Uh, they're saying, hey, wait a minute, we're so sorry for uh, some of our librarians and the way that they've been behaving. But, but others of us want this book. We want this to come to our communities. We desperately need this. There's millions of families who would love for their children to be taught biblical values. And so they're emailing us. They not only want the, uh, my book, As You Grow, but they're looking for any kind of books that they can fill their libraries with, and they want to host their own story hours in their public libraries. And I'm hoping that this is a movement that uh, sweeps across the nation, not just on one story hour on one day, but but just a real awakening in the hearts and minds of parents to take back the opportunity to raise their children. Um, this is no joke. This is this is. Th- these are people who are fighting for the culture, and they're playing for keeps, and they're starting with children. Yeah. Well, as you know, education is ground zero. And right now we're losing the fight for education in this country. You saw, I'm sure like I did, you know, uh, President Biden and his corrupt administration, they are trying to redefine marriage. What will never be redefined because marriage belongs to God. God's the one who made marriage. God will always define it. And yet what our children are hearing, and they're hearing this at our public libraries, if you go to my library right here in Battleground, Washington, You'll see queer affirming books in the windows of the library. If you go to the children's section, there are all kinds of books on homosexuality, the gay BCs, all this kind of stuff. But if you want to teach them biblical values or teach them what you were just saying, the fruits of the spirit, somehow that is offensive. How do you reach the parents? I guess this is this is really the challenge. How do you get people off the bench and onto the battlefield to, instead of running from this, go to their local libraries, it seems to me like you've just given a whole lot of people a jumping off place to say, hey, we've we've uh, we've got a great book. We'd love to know, can we come? Because anyone can do it, right? Anyone can Anybody go to the library and request a story hour, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't have to be my book. It could be your book. It could be uh, any one of the books at, at uh, bravebooks.com. It could be the Lord of the Rings. It could be any Sunday school storybook that you want to read. Um Go on in there, and we have such a thing as as, as equal access and free, freedom of speech, and that's what these story hours are for. How do you get people off the bench? Uh, th- that's a really good question. You know, I, I I read in my Bible, and I see the people of God um, in this in this vortex as the nation of Israel over and over and over, and every time they're rescued by God, it seems like it only takes a generation or two. Or, or, or one bad king to come along and plunge the nation back into idolatry again and hedonism and uh, you know chasing after 
whatever some pagan culture offers as the new shiny toy. And we are doing that as well here in America. So I'm praying for revival, but oftentimes you see that God uh, disciplines his children by giving them what they want. We see that in Romans chapter one, eventually uh, he gives them over to their depraved minds to actually engage in the kinds of practices that they're actually looking for. And they call good evil and evil good. And when a culture does that, it's in that downward spiral. And um, what I'm hoping is that before it's too late, uh, we feel the pain and we recognize what's going on. We realize like Nehemiah did that the walls have been broken down and the culture and this great nation is in dire straits and we need to rebuild the foundations. We need to reform and restore who we are as a free republic under God uh, built on his principles. And if we do that, it's got to start with repentance. It's got to start with a brokenness in our heart. Uh, God is not, I believe, and he's not at all interested in a surface moral makeover for his people. He's interested in uh, wholesale repentance and an overhaul of our hearts, a repentant return to the original American covenant that our forefathers made with their creator. And if we don't go all the way with that, uh, I'm concerned that we will lose the future for our kids. So God bless you for what you're doing. And revivals always come during times of moral collapse and spiritual apathy and economic decline. Um, Plagues and pestilence are always precursors to times of great awakenings. We've had that in America in the past, and we can have it again. Um, There have been times far worse than what we're experiencing now in other countries uh, and here in America. And we have the resources. We have the truth. We have the numbers of people. We have the economics. We have everything we need to turn things around if people care enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you're doing, and I'm seeing more people, more Christian leaders do it, is to stand up in the public square, which we seated the territory. Again, we decided we don't belong in the public square. And so we hid in the four walls of our churches. It's much harder to break back into the public square than it is to get out of it in the first place. But it go it goes to what the Bible speaks to over and over again. We've got to be strong and courageous. It requires courage to stand up for righteousness in the culture right now. And I think as Christians, we can lean into the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, hey, we need your help. I love that you said, you know, we're looking for revival, but revival doesn't come without repentance. That's the first step. And uh, and we need that. We need courage. What does it look like for God's people to walk in courage right now? Well, I think we see it in other countries, and I think we're going to eventually really see it here in our country. We have some pastors here and there, uh, thank God for them, uh, during the pandemic. They're standing on principle. They recognize that the church is the most essential institution in all of culture during times of fear and uncertainty and instability. So thank God for them. Um, I I, I can't help but think that... um, Diamonds are formed when sufficient pressure is put on the coal over time. And I'm thinking that it could be the church's most shining moment if enough pressure is placed over time on the family of faith. And we'll see those those heroes rising up full of courage, great hearts, 
who have a fire of, of freedom and liberty, not just internal liberty from sin, but external tyranny for our children and grandchildren and get involved. That's why I so appreciate all that, that you do, Heidi, uh, doing your podcast, everything you're doing for homeschool families. Um, it's, it's, it's very encouraging and inspiring. And I'm, I'm hoping that John Adams was right when he said uh, it does not take a majority to prevail. He said it, it, but rather a tireless, irate minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. And it starts little by little, your podcast, someone else's campfire, somebody else's Bible study, somebody sacrificing and running for office and little victories are encouraging. And those fires begin to spread until, until you can't stop it. It's called revival. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're excited about that, which is why we keep doing what God's put in front of us. Something you've been doing, and I've been watching this for a while, and I hope you can speak to it for just a minute. You work with sure. Patriot Academy. We have a mutual friend in Rick Green. And, yeah. and he's been, you know, uh, William Wallacing all over this great nation for a long time, talking about the history of this country and really uh, standing up to the woke left. You said that America was not founded on Christian principles. That's not true, though, is it? Oh, no, that's not true at all. What is true is that the Bible is the book that built America. The Bible is the taproot for for all free republics. Uh, if, if you follow the worldview to its logical conclusion, uh, whether that's the Marxist worldview, an Islamic worldview, a secular humanist worldview, uh, you're going to wind up with a top-down system where all power is consolidated in a great leader and the people are, are, are ultimately serfs, they're slaves, they're subjects to a king or a czar or a queen or a whatever. But the United States of America was this great experiment of government. Uh, the pilgrims literally turned the world upside down. What they said is, wait a minute, God values the individual uh, more than the institutions he values the individual and he transforms the hearts of moms and dads and children. And then the confidence is placed in self-governing Christians who then form churches, families, communities, um, local and state and, and federal governments. And our founder said, this is the great experiment. If you can govern yourself under the Ten Commandments, you won't have to be governed by the 10,000 commandments of a king. And that's what they hinged this whole thing on. It was never a trust in government officials to keep us safe or to, or to, to uh, create a, a utopian culture. Government has its job and its lane, but government is ultimately nothing but force to keep evil at bay. And if government gets corrupted, which always happens when good people vacate it, creates a vacuum and bad people get in, it gets corrupted – Government jumps outside of its boundaries and becomes a consuming monster. And that's what always happens throughout history. Um, so we need to get back to those original principles. We need to get back to the biblical principles that produce the freest, strongest, most benevolent and generous nation in the history of the world. Yeah. What do you say to the people who say, you know what, Kirk, I hear what you're saying, but Christians don't belong in politics, right? The separation of church and state. <laughs> No, that's not well. Uh, maybe, maybe in or other worldview other than the one that formed this country, uh, Chief Justice John Jay of the very first Supreme Court in the United States said, "It is your duty and obligation to prefer 
um, and select Christians to be your leaders. Why did he say that? He wasn't trying to be um, offensive to anyone. What he was saying is that in order for all people to come here and have a place to live, even with differing worldviews, uh, religious points of view, you must have a Christian worldview undergirding our government, that our form of government only works for a holy religious and moral people. Because without, without that, you have uh, ungoverned people with too much freedom and they end up succumbing to their lower nature and you end up with everybody doing what they want. You have lawlessness and chaos and the people won't stand for that. They will demand law and order because nobody wants to live in anarchy. Right. So the only way you can maintain maximum individual personal liberty is to be self-governing under some set of rules. Here's a great quote from uh, Ronald Reagan. He said it very well. He said, uh, some would have us choose between the right or the left. He said, I don't believe there's any such thing as a right or a left, but only an up or a down. We either go up to man's age-old dream of maximum individual liberty under law and order and the eternal rules of right or down to the ant heap of totalitarianism. And he said, no matter what the motive and no matter how good the strategy is, if anyone begins to get you to exchange your freedoms for safety, you're already on that downward trajectory. So how important then is it for the church to engage? And I guess more importantly, because we, you know, we both agree that it's absolutely crucial for the church to take a front row seat in these conversations that need to be happening because they have a platform to speak into the lives of, the, of their people. And I guess the, the bigger question becomes how to do that, because it's easy for, you know, someone who goes, well, Heidi, you have a, you know, you have a podcast that's reached millions of people or Kirk has a, a platform. But the fact of the matter is this is going to require all of God's people to engage. The church needs yeah. to engage. What does it look like for the church to engage and remind uh, their children, starting with their children, right? Because that's our first responsibility is to train up our own children. What does it look like going forward? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I think the first thing it's important for us to think about is um, w w even how we frame the question when, when you say, um, you know, should the church be involved in politics? Should we have a seat at the decision-making table for culture? Um, well, there's already a big problem that we're even having to ask that right. question. Because so remember, true. in the Garden in the garden of Eden, God okay. says to Adam and to Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and take dominion over all that I've made. He made this for his family of faith. He created the world for us to create the culture, a good and godly heavenly culture. It's only when the rebellion comes in that uh, we're now begging for crumbs at the, at the decision-making table of culture. And we've handed it over. No one took it from us. We actually just gave it over because we wanted something more than uh, deep fellowship with God and the 
the adventure of, adv- of advancing the kingdom here on earth and the courage to sacrifice what's necessary to get the job done. Uh, we often opt for safety. We opt, we opt for comfort. It's nice when somebody else is making the decisions and will provide and protect us. And we, throughout history, have looked to government for that. Uh, but how does it, what does it look like for somebody to, to, to be in the driver's seat? Well, it, it looks like St. Patrick who at 16 years old was captured. He was thrown into the bottom of a ship with a bunch of other slaves and carted off to this island called Ireland. Uh, Patrick was English. He's, he's stuck there in Ireland as a slave with these pagans who were doing horrible, horrific, barbaric things to their slaves. And Patrick has a dream one day and he escapes on a ship. He goes back to England. He gets converted by the message of the gospel. And rather than living a safe life there with his family, he hears voices in a dream saying, um, uh, young, young boy, come back, come back and liberate your people. And he gets together with 12 of his friends, a Bible uh, and the Ten Commandments, and he marches into Ireland, confronts the king, lights a giant bonfire in defiance of his laws, winds up converting the king, planting 300 churches, schools, and rewriting the laws in England for a revival and a transformation of the whole nation. It looks like what John Knox did in Scotland. It looks like what Luther did, what John Calvin did. It looks like what the pilgrims and the Puritans did. They're getting out from tyranny because they recognize that the gospel wins. Um, And and I think people need, in the family of faith, need to start reexamining their theology and their eschatology. There's too many who are using their view of the end times and what they see happening in the news today to justify their their complacency, apathy. And they say, well, you know, we read the book. Uh, not much we can do. It looks like it's getting close. And, uh, and Hey, the consolation prize is, is, is we win out there, but battlefield earth, we lose. And I think we need to take a new look at, at the scriptures and how we've come up with something that's actually very new in the Christian world with regard to that, uh, view of the future. There's no longer this universal view of victory of the kingdom of God culturally here on earth that was replaced in the 1800s with a view of escape. And so no wonder so many people look at Christians and say, you guys don't care about the environment. You don't care about politics. You don't care about all of the the, the cultural levers that actually shape the world because you're just looking to get out of here. Right. And you think the whole thing's going to hell and going to burn. And a lot of Christians do feel that way. Uh, I'm not one of them. That's why I fight. Yeah. And to stay on top of this is what God asked us to do, right? It's part of the Great Commission. It's part of taking dominion. It's part of being salt and light. It's like we've forgotten that we are the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be out there being salt and being light. But when we when we decide not to do that, <laughs> evil fills the vacuum. Yeah, exactly. What would what what would have happened if the pilgrims whose whose political leader, King James, who had also declared himself king of the church of England. So he had co-opted all power in government, all power in the church. The, the, the economy was such that you had nothing. You had no money. You had no power. You had no private property. You had nothing. What would have happened if they looked at the signs of their day and said, well, clearly Jesus is returning by Wednesday. And so let's just <laughs> tuck our head between our knees and get ready for the end. Yeah. They never would have escape to Holland. They never would have studied the ancient nation building techniques of Moses. They never would have gotten on that boat and risked their lives 
that first winter in Plymouth and created the greatest nation on earth. And here we are 400 years later. So the fact that we don't lean in and invest in the future for our children, I think is a, it's, it's disgraceful to those who have sacrificed before us. And I think it doesn't line up with our Christian worldview. So let's turn that around and let's get busy. Well, I'm excited because I'm seeing more people. And I know you are too, because you travel uh, even more than I do. You're seeing people engaging in these conversations again all yes. over the country. I do think that there is a reawakening that's coming. At first, that inward look I see it like, too. Yeah, like, Lord, help me not live to be safe. I mean, we've lived to be safe in the culture for so long. And every single person that you just talked about and every movement that you just referenced starts with courage. Instead of us looking at how that's we can right. live to be safe, how can we live to hide? Maybe the prayer needs to be, Lord, help me not live to be safe. What does it look like for me to get out in the front? That's exactly what you're doing and uh, it's in, I think it's inspiring for people to say, hey, I'm going to get off the bench and get yeah. into the fight. Yeah, ex exactly. I, I don't know if you ever listened to Jordan Peterson, but he's oh, sure yeah. got some really interesting things to say. Uh, that, that's an understatement. And one of the things he he says is that life is a call to adventure and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as a Christian, I can resonate with that. It's not a call to safety and hiding. It's a call to adventure and sacrifice. And we have our, our Gandalf, so to speak, mm -hmm. who, who, who knows the territory. That is the Almighty. That's the Holy Spirit. We have his word in the Bible, and we have the assurance of victory. Um, as, as my friend Rob McCoy likes to say, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Yes. Yeah. We have the truth. We have the spirit. We have the word of God. We are the family of God. And history is God's story. It's his story, and it's moving in um, a, 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 toward a goal. It's not just history reci uh, uh, recycling itself and repeating itself in this sort of endless motion with no direction. God started by creating the world. He, he births this great nation through Abraham. He brings the Messiah into the world. He's, he's killed. He's resurrected. The spirit is, is sent. And now he's reconciling the world to himself and discipling all nations. This is going somewhere. Yep. And all we need to do is trust the author of the story and recognize that uh, there's going to be some chapters in this book that we're living in that are nail biters. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. Yeah, I And love recognize it. that darkness makes the story more exciting. Yeah. Without the evil characters, Lord of the Rings would have been a really lame movie. Without <laughs> Gollum, without Sauron, yeah. does, it, does it make it? No, it would make it worse. Yeah. This is where heroes are forged and this is where we've been placed. Our job is just to play our role well. Dude, I love that you just quoted Rob McCoy because right when you did that, I was thinking the last time, one of the last times that I saw Rob and he'd come up here a couple of times to help me if I run for Congress and I, and he was flying up here and I said, Hey, I said, uh, Hey, you know, stay safe out there. Just something to say to him. And he goes, Heidi, I never want to hear you say that again. I never want to hear it come out of your mouth again. I don't live to be safe. You don't live to be safe. We live to be dangerous. We're dangerous right. to the forces of evil. We are the children of God. He's That's like, right. once you realize that my days have already been preordained for me, it takes the fear out of it because there's nothing that's going to yeah. happen that's going to take us home even one day before the Lord of Heaven's armies predestined it. There you go. All right. Pass the offering plate. I'm ready to give. <laughs> uh, and, and also, there is... The fear virus is far worse yes. than, than the Rona. Yeah. The fear virus has infected so many people that it makes them just lay down, hide under, hide under the table, 
and just wait for somebody to rescue them. Yeah. We can't, we can't do that. We, we have a God who goes before us. He says, fear not, be not afraid. I, I am your God. I'll be with you. I will strengthen you. I'll uphold your righteous, uh, you with my righteous right hand. And I think we can take those, uh, those principles and apply them in the year 2022 mm. and say the church is the most essential institution in the world. We cannot shut down. We, uh, we must advance. Mm. That's what we're here for. That's right. I have so enjoyed uh, just what you've been talking about to many people. I love Campfire Revival. I mean, the middle of the Rona and people are uh, hiding under their couches. You're out there waving the American flag and, and turning people's heads to toward heaven. Say, hey, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where can people find your book? Because uh, I, you and I both have a, a, an affinity for brave books, love what they're doing. And you become part of that brave books family. Where do people find your newest book? So you can find As You Grow and, and a whole bunch of others at bravebooks.com. Uh, go to bravebooks.com. And one of the things that I love about uh, what they're doing is, you know, they're a family-run company out of Texas, and uh, they have this book of the month club, which is awesome because if you're homeschooling your kids or, or you're just trying to get good materials to your kids, uh, if you join the book of the month club, you get a new book sent every month to your house that's dealing with a new topic. It could be the fruit of the spirit. Uh, it could be an issue like transgenderism. Yep. Uh, it could be wokeness. It could be uh, border control. It could be all sorts of great topics to discuss with your kids. And um, they all have a pro-God, pro-America yeah. value. So you could just check those out. And, uh, and then by the way, learn how to host your own story hour, take one of these books and go into your public library and read it to the kids. Yeah, yeah. What would happen if there was just an army of parents that started saying, showing up at the library and saying, hey, I got a great story. I'd like to read it. You know, eventually they'd have to go, oh, man, there's too many of you. And we're, there are actually yeah. more of us than there are of them. Well, that, that's that's the truth. Uh, Heidi, if I could just take one, one more minute to, to share a great analogy that Dinesh D'Souza said uh, at an event once. And I thought it was so great. He said, you know, you go to a circus and you see a, a lion tamer come out, a skinny little guy with a whip and a mustache. <laughs> and he's and he's got this giant lion, you know, and the thing probably weighs 800 pounds and it's roaring on its little stool and he cracks its whip and he gets the lion to do tricks for him. Uh, who's more powerful, the lion or the lion tamer? Right. And of course, everyone's saying, well, the lion is far more powerful. He goes, but the lion has been trained to think that the lion tamer is much more powerful. That's why he submits to the crack of his whip. But if the lion ever knew how much power he actually had, he could overwhelm that lion tamer in a second, right? He, he, he could have him as a snack before lunch. And he said, family of faith, church, we are the lion, but we've been trained since we were little cubs to bow down to the dictates of the lion tamer state. The government, the secular community who has pushed you into a corner and told you that, that, that we won't feed you uh, if you don't do what we say. And we've just been duped into this. And we need to get back to understanding who we are and whose we are. We were made in the image of God and the Almighty is our Father. And once the church recognizes that. All bets are off. Game over. Yeah, yeah. It's so, it's, this is an exciting time to be a Christian. It's an exciting time to to know the truth of God's word and be able to stand in the public square and defend it. And you have been demonstrating that so well. Is there anything coming up for you that people need to know about? I'm still in my backyard making campfires almost every night. I'm, I'm doing 25 days in December of Christmas campfire revivals, and we're reading selected scripture and getting back to the Bible because um, that really is is the taproot for the future. 
It is the Bible. It's not just conservative politics. Um, conservative politics uh, detached from biblical authority and truth cannot win the day. That's why as much as I love Fox News, as much as I love listening to people with good ideas on Newsmax or wherever you want to listen to them, uh, at the end of the day, if you're cut off from the gospel, you're still enslaved in sin and you don't have the authority and the divine principles that can actually, that's the X factor. That's the magic that makes it all work. And our founders understood that. So I'm going through the Bible. You can just check me out on Facebook. Uh, and then uh, I host a talk show called Takeaways every Monday night on TBN. And um, yeah, you've had some great guests on there too. I've been watching. Great. It's good stuff. Yeah. Well, you and I need to get on there for a new episode in 2023 and talk all about all about what you're doing for, for homeschool families. Let's do it. Well, you and I agree education, it really is ground zero for the hostile takeover of our nation. And God's people are needed now more than ever. And Kirk, you're a national treasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I cannot wait to hear what happens next. And I'd love to see you in 2023. Stay in the fight, my friend. I will. Thank you. Let's come back again and let's talk about uh, let's talk about the cultural battle. Is it a hostile takeover or a cowardly surrender? Mm, next wow. on the Heidi St. John podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. All right. God bless you. See ya. You guys want more information on Kirk Cameron? You can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Scroll down to the show notes and I'll link back to how you can get his new book today. And also find him at American Campfire Revival. You guys are going to be encouraged by what Kirk's doing. Thanks for listening to everybody. I'll see you back here again tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. <laughs>